Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast. You are listening to Rooted by Eric Platt, where Eric is going through his life experiences, wounds of his own heart, and the ways that the Spirit of God has healed those things from an understanding of the Grace message. If you would like to learn more about Grace Church or find other messages, please visit us at graceorlando.com. So last week I had a question, and not that I haven't heard it before, I just haven't heard it in a while. And the question was, what if? What if I never get delivered? I've already given up. It's been too long. It's a, it's a valid question. Um, if you weren't here last week, you know I had a 28-year pornography addiction. The last 10 years were the worst. And there were days where I'd just given up. I mean, I had begged and pleaded because I thought that's what I needed to do at that time. Now I know different with God. Um, you know, help me, you know. And nothing seemed to happen. And so I, going through my own personal experiences with that, um, we're going to start with 2 Timothy 2.13. Hey, listen, if you don't have any faith, don't worry about it. It's not your job to have faith. If you think it's your job to have faith, you got to keep that faith and maintain that faith, and nobody can do that. I'm just telling you right now, I've been doing this for decades, and I've been through some things, so I know what I'm talking about. Not all end all. Hey, I'm still learning. That's why I like your questions, because it helps me to sharpen up on what people want to know. Okay, But 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself. Here, listen to this one. You want to hear the, uh, the living Bible? Listen to this. This is really good. Even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us, for he cannot disown us who are part of himself, and he will carry out his promises. Okay, so let me give you some backup scripture. Acts 2, uh, 9, uh, verse 2. So the road to Damascus experience that Saul had. And after he was blinded by the glory of God and fell off his horse, what happened? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus sees us so one with him that he says himself, and we're all included in it. Get that revelation, because when you do, it'll set you free. Matter of fact, when you understand that you're part of the body of Christ, any sex addictions you have will break off. You know what I mean? And it, it just gets set free. That, there's a revelation right there, okay? And so Acts 9-2, and then Romans 2-4. Eric, so how does this stuff happen? You know, we have it mixed up. We think if we repent, then the goodness of God will come. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans 2-4, it says that do you not know the long-suffering and the forbearance of God, that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? So the goodness comes first. I love Deuteronomy 28, and it talks about the blessing. It says the blessing will come upon you and overtake you. In Hebrew, it literally means it will seize you. And you didn't even see it coming. The, the word come upon you and overtake you means it's coming from behind. You can't see it. So... Uh, Romans 2.4, the goodness of God will lead us to repentance. That word lead is the Greek word ago, A-G-O. And it literally means to pick up to a higher elevation and carry. 
that, can, that, that goes right around with Luke 15, where the shepherd sought out the, sh the one lost sheep until he found it, and then it says he picked him up and put him on his shoulders. What did that mean? He had a whole different point of view. And then it says, blessed is when one sinner repents. What, 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 how do you repent? He was lifted up to a higher elevation and saw things for what they really were. Therefore, repentance came. The goodness of God came first. Amen? So if you have any questions, like, and like I said, 28 years, porn addiction. And I, I gave up. But one day, God came and loved me in that situation. And that love healed that wound. And I've been free for almost a decade. Not even a desire for it. I'm not saying there's not temptation and thoughts don't go through my mind sometimes. Let's be real. We're all adults in here. You can, you know, save that, you know, for somebody else. I'm going to be real. And so, uh, you know, I'm just, even the thought of it. I mean, and just it's so hard today. It's like you could even your email and they send you, they're sending you stuff to try to get you back on. I see it. Delete. Blip. No, thank you. Been down that road before. I'm free from that. You know what I mean? And like I said once, and I'll tell you again, when you're free from something, you have no problem talking about it. When you're carrying shame and guilt with something, and that might be where you're at today, and that's okay. But the goodness of God will lead you to repentance. And that word repentance is metanoia, okay, which is two Greek words, meta, naus. Meta means change, and naus means mind. But if you really study the word, it means perspective, that your perspective is changed. And when you see things different, you live different. How can you expect people to change without the goodness of God leading them to repentance first? It's impossible because then we wouldn't need Jesus. Okay. Now, another thing I want to do before I get into rejection, I love this one right here. Oh, my gosh. This ruined my life, but it's helped me so much. Now, um, knowledge. How do we look at knowledge? The Hebraic and the Greek. So in the Greek, it's the word ginosko, and it means to have head knowledge. They were, they were philosophers. They had philosophies. But in Hebrew, it's the word dia. It's a dalet, it's an ayin, and it's a hey. Dalet is a picture of a door that you walk through on a path. Ayin is a picture of an eye where you see and experience, and hey is grace. So literally, knowledge hidden in the Hebrew letters is the door to the pathway where you see and experience the grace of God. That's knowledge. Listen, I ride motorcycles and I like to go really fast. I have a ninja. I didn't mean to say, I don't go that fast, babe. Um, and so anyways, you could read even like from a, uh, a writer that writes for the magazines about what it's like to go a hundred and something miles an hour on a motorcycle. Like I said, hundred and something. And, uh, but until you get on one and do it, you'll never know what it's like. We need to encounter him. This is about encountering him and his love and his grace, which will change everything. And you will come out of it never being the same again. Man, I tell my wife stuff that I used to do, and she's like, I just, I don't see it to the glory of God. Because he changed me, and I'm not the same anymore. Not that I don't have my flaws but I'm not that person I used to be. Amen? So the word rejection, this is going to blow you away. Now, if I use Hebrew words over Greek words, let me tell you why I do that. Because I feel the Hebrew word will be a better illustration for you than the Greek. Or if I think the Greek has a better illustration, I'll use the Greek word. Um, there, is a, there was a rabbi named Dilich, and he wrote a New Testament. 
It's called the Brit Hadashah. Brit means covenant. Hadashah means renewed. So it means the renewed covenant. And what he did was he took all the Greek words and lined them up with all the Hebrew words and put the Hebrew words in place of the Greek words. So you can go back and you can actually look to see what it really means in another language for that same word. So I do interchange them. So that's the reason why I do them. Um, and so anyways, this word rejection, ma'as, it means to be cast away and discarded as worthless. You know when we're the most vulnerable? Middle school. That's where the wounds come in. You don't know who you are and things happen and you get wounded. And there are people that carry those wounds to their grave because they never get the help that they need. If you have a wound and you keep covering it, it's never going to heal from the inside because it needs oxygen to heal that wound. Well, if we keep covering and suppressing our wounds, the things are going to keep still coming out and you're never going to get free from them. That's why when we learn to do the M&M uh, you know, philosophy, which is I'm going to tell all the stuff you're going to make fun of me of. I'm going to tell it now. And then that way you have nothing left on me. If you've never seen eight mile. Okay. Uh, so anyways, and that's what he did. And the, and the rapper had nothing against him because he had already told now, Hey, I'm not saying go confide in people that can't be trusted. Find the right people. Amen. Okay. All right. So, uh, mass rejection. Mim is a picture of waves which represents the word chaos. Ooh, that didn't sound good right there already. Aleph is a picture of an ox, which represents strength. And Samek is a picture of a pillar, which represents a foundation, something that's built upon. So you can be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, have a new identity, be the righteousness of God, be completely forgiven, and still be in this category right here. Okay, so it literally means... Chaos is strong foundation in your life. So now all your choices are made out of that wound and not you really making them from a place of understanding that you're loved by God. You can even still, you can know the love of God in some areas of your life, as I do, and in other areas, I still need that encounter with the love of God. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. So uh, testimony. So it all started for me in middle school, and I had asked out this really popular girl, or actually, that's not true. I had somebody else ask out this popular girl for me <laughs> while I hid over in the bathroom. You know how little kids, you know, I mean, it's just real talk. And so anyway, she said yes, and this girl was really popular. I was popular as well. I played sports. I mean, you know, I was a popular guy, you know. And um, so uh, basically, went out for two weeks. I was terrified of girls. I didn't want to hold hands. I didn't want to kiss. I didn't want to do nothing. So in two weeks, she broke up with me in front of the entire class of that grade, the seventh grade, in front of everybody. Totally humiliated me. And that wound came in there. God has taken me back, the Holy Spirit, and traced it all the way back. And he showed me where all this stuff came from and why I did what I did. Listen, why you do what you do, you don't need to feel any shame or guilt. It's not your fault. You're wounded. If somebody broke their leg and they were using crutches to get across the street, would you go over there and get all on their face and get on them? Why are you getting on other people for their wounds and they're just trying to medicate them the best way they know how? And so anyways, two things came up and these are the two worst addictions that I faced for my whole life. A 15-year drug addiction and a 28-year porn addiction, okay? Um, and I'm sorry if you feel comfortable, uncomfortable about me talking about it, but th that's what this class is all about. 
I won't always say these type of things, but you know, you're going to hear it because it needs to be told, you know? And so anyways, so that year I was, I was on a breakdance crew and I, I hung out with the older kids. So after school, they were like, hey, come back, you know, come back uh, with us. We're going over. And I remember the guy's name. I don't want to say because if it ever got out, you know, it just wouldn't be cool. You know what I mean? Uh, we're going over so-and-so's house and, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's go over there and see what he's got. Triple X porn. I was exposed to it. And I was already wounded and I already had hatred towards women because of that girl humiliating me. Listen, women, don't ever humiliate a guy in front of other women. Don't ever do that. Because that can cause a wound of insecurity that will cause that person to have behaviors that aren't becoming of who they really are. And so uh, let me tell you, out of all the 28 years and what I've learned about pornography, for men, okay, it is the humiliation of women to make them pay back for whatever that woman, what, whatever one woman did or multiple women. Just like, a, just like a woman, you might have one man that did you wrong and broke your heart. Now every man that you come across, he's got to deal with that baggage because you got that wound. Well, it's the same way with men. You know what I mean? And so isn't it interesting how cunning the enemy is to bring that in right after that wound when I'm susceptible because I might have not gotten into it if that never would have happened. You know what I'm saying? And then so right after that, in eighth grade summer, I was hanging out with a friend of mine and he had these two pretty girls with him and they were smoking a joint. It's like, hey, just try. I'm an athlete. You know what I mean? I don't do I don't do drugs. And he's like, hey, smoke this with us. And my need for acceptance was so bad that I was willing to do whatever it took to be accepted. By the way, you could be a people pleaser sitting in here today and you'll do whatever it takes to be accepted. That is a stressful life. And so anyways, um, so I did. Two years later, I had a $100 day crack habit. I grew up in South Florida, so that's where the drugs were all coming in in the 80s. And I became a crackhead. I mean, my, I, it devastated my family, you know, uh, just, you know, I lost all my real friends. They didn't even talk to me anymore. I, I saw people on Facebook that be, all they remember is what I used to be, and they won't even friend me. And those two things have destroyed and dominated my life, but not anymore. I'm free from both of them. I've been 20 years clean from, uh, from drugs, and I've been almost 10 years clean from pornography. That is, it's right, praise God. So... Let's look at some scripture to this about if you're trying to find acceptance in anything, even in serving in church. Oh, I was this. I was the acceptance guy for serving in church. I was going to outserve everybody. Everybody was going to love me. I was going to be the best. Woo! You just get burned out. Yeah, we're rejected more. You know what I mean? And so uh, Ephesians 1.6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace that we have been made in the made accepted in the beloved. Made accepted is one Greek word, it's karituo. Kari is grace, tuo means highly, highly favored. And then God bestows this great gift by, uh, by counting us in the beloved. Because he's talking about Jesus because there's nobody in the whole Bible that God ever called his beloved except his son, Jesus. And he puts us in him, and we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. And that's the reality of how God sees. We, on the other hand, are in a body with a mind, will, and emotions that's caught up with the things of this world, and we have to learn how to, by his grace and his wisdom, to look to Jesus 
on a regular basis to be reminded who we are, what we have. So I, I, I shared this in one of the other classes. There was this uh, young kid that worked uh, on my motorcycle with me in our apartment complex. And, he, and we hung out for about 10 minutes. He's like, bro, I need to ask you. And I said, what's up, man? He says, are, you know, are you a cop or military man? I said, no, why would you say that? He goes, just the way you, your posture, the way you stand. I said, well, no, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm a priest. And if you didn't know, I am an Anglican, Anglican priest. And uh, he's like, dude, no way. It was like Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know, no way. Like everything I said. And then I preached the grace message to him. He's like, no way. And I mean, it was, it was awesome like to see people fresh the first time hearing it. He had never heard it before. And his mom was a theologian, but obviously she ain't teaching it to him. So, um, And so anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Anybody want to help me out? Oh, accepted. Yeah, accepted. And so anyway, oh, but so, so about a week later, I was like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Um, and he said, the reason why he used those terms is he saw my authority on you, but he didn't know how to explain it in words. And the only thing that he could think of is the two most authority in our country, which is the law enforcement and which is military. And I was like, dang, I said, that's how people see me. I mean, and I'm like, you know, I've, been, I've gone through a lot in the last five years. I feel a little beat up. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, that's how I'm rolling. Like I'm rolling deep like that. Like I'm Shaq rolling down to slam dunk, you know, boom, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I was like, wow. Renewing your mind is the key. Although miracles are very important, but Paul didn't emphasize on miracles as much as he did of the renewing of the mind to change the way that you think so that you can see the way God sees. That's key. I'm going to tell you right now, 20 years I've been doing this, renewing the mind, renewing the mind, renewing the mind. And guess what? Miracles do come and they do happen. But remember, miracles are first and foremost for non-believers, but God still does do miracles within believers. It's documented. It's there. So we're not denying it. I saw my wife's hand shattered and broken and we picked her up, threw her on the table. Me and our senior pastor prayed. She was instantly healed. I saw it with my own eyes. I mean, I was like, I was dumbfounded. I was like, how could this be? And her hand was all mangled, and then it was straight. All right, Luke 15. So I love this story. I could teach on this story for week after week after week or week. Let me give you the condensed short version of what I want you to hear today, okay? The father saw the son. He was looking for him. Do you know the first time? Anybody remember uh, in the garden? Uh, after, after uh, Adam fell, he called, they were both called Adam. It was the Adam and the woman, but it's like, it was like that, that was what they were called Adam. They were one. That's why it says uh, that a son, son should leave his father, his mother, and two should be gathered together, and the two shall become one flesh. And so anyways, it says he was walking through the garden looking through him. I went and looked up the word. It's halak. It means to run. He was running through the garden looking for them to take that sacrificial animal and cover because there was a time of urgency that he didn't want them to be any less than what they were thinking they were. So he ran to them so that they could be covered. What happened here in this story? Do you know this story? Uh, the prodigal son, it's a true story. It's, <laughs> it's not based off Jesus using it as an analogy. It's an actual story. Whenever it says certain 
There was a certain man that had two sons. That's the Greek word tis, T-I-S. And it means it was an actual story that he was using that everybody in that region knew so that he could use it as an analogy, though, of a true story of how his father was. So it says, the, the father saw the son and he was moved with compassion. In the Hebrew, it's, uh, it's rakam. And it literally means to yearn from your inner bowels for somebody. And because in Hebrew, that's the deepest part of the body that you can go to is the bowels. So it's the innermost deepest part that you can go into. He yearned for him. And then it says, he ran. He ran. That, that Greek word for run is the Greek word treko. It's like an Olympic sprinter. Now, do you know, in order for him to run like this, he would have had to take in his garments and pulled them up to his waist and exposed himself to be able to run this fast. See, God didn't care about carrying shame on himself. He cared about the shame that we were carrying. And he became our shame so we wouldn't have to carry shame anymore. Amen. So he ran. Now, what do you think the son was thinking? I, took, I told my father, drop dead and give me my inheritance. And here he is running. He's probably thinking, man, dad's going to give me a good work over. I mean, he could have been thinking that. I'm not saying it's documented there, but he could have been thinking that. And he gets there and he falls on him. And it says he starts to kiss him. This word for kiss is katafileho. And it means to repeatedly kiss over and over and over and over. What's the son going to say? He's experiencing pure love and grace. And everything that was wrong was being washed away in this experience and this embrace from his father. And even when he tried to make, make up like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, dad. I'm just paraphrasing. He says, I don't even want to hear that. Bring, bring the best robe. Protostole. First robe. You know who that robe belonged to? His older brother. Whoever wore that robe got the most of inheritance. He was the, he was the, the firstborn was, was the highly favored of, of, you know, of the fathers in that culture at the time. Ran, kissed him over and over. See, we need to encounter the love of God. And guess what? It's just going to come upon you and overtake you when you least expect it. Quit trying to manufacture it. Quit trying to make it happen. Don't worry about what's happened in the past because your future isn't determined by you and what you do. Your future is based on a covenant that God made with his son, that he made promises that he can't break of things that he said he was going to do. For the last one, Matthew 5, 39. So we heard this scripture as somebody, first it starts off with the law, uh, you know, you know, eye for eye. You've heard that it was said to those old, so you know he's talking to Jewish people. Uh, you know, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He goes, but I say unto you, do not, uh, do not despise an evil person, but if somebody slaps you, I can Tina. Woo! No. Somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other. No. Why was Jesus? If you look at the context of all these scriptures, okay, he's telling them this is how you defeat the Roman army because you can't fight against them physically because they're trained mercenaries. You need to find another way to beat them by grace, and so he gives it to them. You know what's after this? If somebody uh, compels you to go one mile, uh, take them two. Do you know they had a law? The Roman law was that if, if, they, if, if, the, if the Jewish citizen, they made him take, go farther than one mile, that there's charges that would be brought up on the Roman soldier. So by taking it that extra mile, you were doing two things. You were beating him at own game that he would never mess with you again, or you were showing him grace that you could win him over. Amen? So this is the same way. 
So back then, they didn't have toilet paper. So they used their left hand. No, no. So now if a Roman soldier and a Roman soldier were having this, he would use the right hand on the left cheek, and that was a sign of respect. That was a sign that we are equal in value. But when the left hand was used, basically what he's saying is you're a dog. So what he's saying is you turn the other cheek and demand that you be treated as an equal. I had an, I had an, I'm going to use the word epiphany the other day. And I'm going to be honest, man, I, I've been walking around like a victim. I've been through so much pain and blow after blow after blow. I'm not saying you can't identify, but some of you in this room wouldn't even understand what I'm talking about. And that doesn't make you any less. It doesn't make me any better. It just makes it what it is. And I was watching Joseph Prince and he said just one thing. And all of a sudden my spirit was quickened. I was like, wait a second. This isn't who I am. You, man, I, and I, man I, I'm telling you, I can teach grace with the best of them. And I'm sitting here walking in defeat. And we're just talking about up to yesterday. And I'm in here teaching the class today. Grace, yeah, we got it. Woo. It's like, I, I'm, I'm trying to be vulnerable here so you, none of you guys feel like, oh, well, you know, Eric thinks he's got it. No, I don't have it all together. Trust me. My wife was, she's like, we had a miracle. Like, when I went and talked to her and shared what had happened, I was like, we had a miracle. Don't ever let anybody make you feel less than of who you really are. They, sl they slap you on the right cheek. And that's not saying let somebody take advantage of you. That's saying, no, I'm demanding that you treat me as an equal because that's who I am. Amen? Amen.